officially kicking off a brand new series of messages, marching verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, because it's not about what I have to say, it's not about what a denomination would say, we want to hear from God. And so get your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter. As you're turning there, it's a little hot up here, guys. If we can turn down the monitors just a hair, that would help me. A few months back, um, Pastor Nick felt led of the Lord uh, to write a book from what the Lord was teaching him in his personal devotional study through 1 Peter. And uh, for those of you who have been around here for a while, uh, you know that Pastor Nick has experienced some pretty deep and profound hurts in his life. In, in some ways, deeper than maybe a lot of us have had to experience. And it was through that study and through marching through the book of 1 Peter, which is really a study on uh, how to suffer well, that uh, God led him to write this book, Thriving in Exile, How the Christian Identity Helps Us Suffer Well. If you do not have it yet, I want to encourage you to pick it up. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, there's other places you can pick the book up at. But uh, if that'll be a help to you, I hope that you'll get your hands on that, just ASAP. But uh, as we were going through it, we kind of were brainstorming and we thought, you know what, during the springtime, uh, we thought we'd use that book and, and the study of 1 Peter to inspire our message series over the next few weeks. And so that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take some time in 1 Peter uh, to march through verse by verse. And uh, as you go through the book, I was kind of looking at it. And as we were marching through it a little bit, I, I realized there, there wasn't, there was, it starts right with chapter 1. And so I told Pastor Nick, I said, how, how about you let me write the introduction for it? And that's what I'm going to preach today. I'm going to preach the introduction. And then he's going to kick us off starting in, you know, kind of those first few verses as we move through 1 Peter, all right? So that's where we're going to be today. We're looking forward to it. Let me give you a little bit of background as you're turning there in your Bibles, and then we'll start reading in chapter number 1, verses 1 through 5. So this book, 1 Peter, is uh, one of the New Testament, what is referred to as the general epistles, all right? It was written by someone other than the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the New Testament books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's the 21st book in the New Testament and the 60th book in the Bible at large. Uh, as we said, as you can imagine, the human author is Simon Peter, uh, one of the leaders among the 12 apostles. And from the best we can tell, this book was written about 64 to 65 AD. So it's about 25, 30 years after uh, the death of Christ. And though he denied Jesus three times, how many of you remember this story uh, where Peter denied that he knew who Jesus was as he was going to the cross? And, and so this is, this is the Peter who uh, denied Christ, also wrote this book. H how many of you are thankful? That even during times where we fail our Savior, when we hurt those closest to us, there's always restoration and redemption. Okay? Those moments don't define you. They didn't define Peter, and they don't define you. There's always, there's always space for reconciliation, for redemption, for restoration. And that includes everybody sitting here. If God could do it for a person who says, I, I don't even know who that Jesus is. I want nothing to do with him. If Jesus could take that person and use him in a mighty way. Can I say this? I, I don't care what you've been through in your past. 
he can use you. He loves you, and he wants what's best for you. Tradition tells us that Peter died as a martyr. <laughs> so a few years earlier, he was denying Christ. I don't know who this guy is, disassociating himself from him, betraying the very one who loved him most. And yet as he comes to the end of his life, he is so in love with this one who gave everything to him. He was literally willing to die, to give his life for this one they called Jesus. Tradition tells us that he was to be crucified on a cross, much like Jesus, but he felt so unworthy that he told the, the persecutors that he wanted to be hung upside down because he wasn't even worthy to die the same way as his Savior. Talk about a shift. And my prayer is that in this book, as we march through how it is that the believer can suffer well, that we would stand in awe of our Savior to the point that he would radically, radically change our lives. In verses number six and seven, it talks about how the people that, that Peter is writing to were going through a lot of various type of trials and difficulties. Because of the intense persecution that was existing in Jerusalem and other parts of Israel, many of the early believers had to scatter. And because of that scattering, there was a lot of financial um, suffering, a lot of physical suffering. And so Peter writes to these ones who had been scattered abroad, these ones who were no longer among family, among friends, and he writes to them on, on how it is that we can suffer well through these difficulties. We're going to get to it in just a moment, but for those of you who are guests with us today, thank you so much for being here. You picked a good day to come. We're kicking this thing off, and uh, for those of you who have been around here for a while, you have now perfect attendance in this series, Marching Through First Peter. Congratulations, all right? So let's keep this up. You got this? We can keep going with it, and we're excited about it. Uh, for those of you who are members and regular tenders, it's kind of our tradition around here uh, to stand as we read from the text, so I encourage you to stand. For those of you who are guests, we'd love to get a little bit more information about you right there in front of your seat. There's a QR code. If you'll hold up your smartphone right to that QR code, it'll pull up some service notes from this service if you'd like to know more about what's going on in this passage. Uh, there's also a place where you can give us your contact information. We'd, we'd love to follow up with you on just any uh, details or questions you might have about the church, and that's a great place to do that. There's some other things, some announcements and stuff. So if you want to know what's going on, feel free to use that QR code there right in front of you. Here's what 1 Peter says, 1 Peter chapter number 1, and uh, we'll actually just start if we can in verse number 1, and we'll read down just for the sake of context. Let's, let's read down to verse number 5. This will get us kicked off here. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he says here, to the chosen living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God and the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit 
be obedient, to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace, I love this, be multiplied upon you. Blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy. How many of you are thankful for God's great mercy? Man, praise God for that. Mercy is God lavishing upon you what you don't deserve, what you didn't earn. And your brokenness, and your sin, God says, hey, I love you anyways. He lavishes us with the mercy, his gifts that we, we, we haven't earned, we don't deserve. Not giving us what we do deserve. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in that last time. You rejoice in this, even though for now, for a short time, if, I'm sorry, I'm in verse 6. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our study this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, What I ask and I pray that as we are marching through this study, the study that really focuses on the brokenness of life, the pain in our world, the things that don't seem to go exactly the way we'd want them to go, this book helps us have divine wisdom on how to navigate that well. To march through the brokenness of life in peace, and maybe even in joy that your spirit provides by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would teach us as a church family how we also can thrive in exile. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Our theme for this morning is simply this, if we were to sum this up, that as believers, we too are exiles. Just like these Christians, because of the persecution, had been scattered all across Asia Minor. And now they were no longer in their homeland. They were exiles of sorts. In much the same way, we as believers, as Christians today, we too also are exiles. As believers, we're exiled from our native country. Can I say it this way? As believers, you and I, we're not home yet. Amen. We're on a journey through this life to our ultimate home, heaven. And that's why we've entitled this message, Strangers in Exile. Strangers in Exile. This morning, I want you to look at how to have a proper perspective of life that will allow us to live victoriously and suffer well as exiles in this world. First Peter chapter number two, this is kind of the theme verse. If you have your Bibles, go to the next chapter. We're not gonna study this all out, but notice verse 11, Peter refers to these early believers, these ones that he's writing to, and he uses this phrase, to the strangers and exiles. The word exile literally means the state of, 
of being prohibited from one's native country. So here in this passage, as the Apostle Peter is writing to these Christians who had been dispersed, they had been scattered because of persecution, these ones that are literally running for their very physical lives, they're afraid at any moment they could also be martyred, they could also be killed, and there's all this persecution. There's just the financial difficulty that they're going through, and many were experiencing health conditions, and these, these are being scattered abroad. They were exiles in the state of being prohibited back into their own country. They couldn't go back home lest they die. And these are referred to as these strangers and exiles. And that's why we called this message today, we called and we titled it Strangers in Exile. There's a website online, it's called Quora. Maybe some of you have heard of it before. It's an online forum where people ask all sort of kind of deep life questions. Then what happens is people read the questions and they provide answers and then you can rate the answers and so the the highest answers kind of come to the top to these deep life questions. Last year a graphic designer posted this question. He said, should I just die since my life is hard and it doesn't seem to have any meaning? And he said, if so, why? How many of you say that's a pretty deep, profound question? <laughs> Should I just die since my life is hard and doesn't seem to have any meaning? If so, why? Here's the answer that got rated at the top. Lots of people, different people gave their perspective on this question. Here was one of the top answers that got rated the highest. Yes. Life has no meaning. And there is no inherent reason as to why life would be preferable to death, especially if it's painful. Since life has no meaning and yours is full of suffering, there is absolutely no logical reason why you should choose to prolong your existence. A real question by a real human being, and that answer was one of the most popular. And while this makes sense, that answer kind of makes sense from an evolutionary, postmodern, humanistic worldview, right? I mean, just let's be honest. If this is all there is and then we die, even the Apostle Paul said, if, if, that, if, if the evolutionary, postmodern, humanistic view of life is real, Paul said, even I am the most of miserable of people. From that framework, it's true. However, from a different perspective, from God's vantage point, nothing can be further from the truth. Your pain has meaning, your hurt has purpose. It isn't for nothing. And even if your entire existence on this earth is pain and hurt and difficulty, it's just a blip on the radar of eternity. And the best is yet to come. 
Yes, we are strangers in this world. This, this place isn't our home. There are people and they're like, I just can't seem to find my place here. I feel like I'm so alone here. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? And I'm here to say this. I think it was C.S. Lewis that says if you, if you find something in your soul that no earthly thing can satisfy, it should remind us that we were created for another world. <laughs> and that's the truth. We are strangers. We are exiles. And here Peter is saying this world is not your final destination. This world isn't your home. You are never going to feel fully at home here. You're never going to feel fully at rest here. Yes, God's grace is sufficient. And yes, his peace is sustaining but this is not all there is to life. There's more. You see, what these early Christians were experiencing as they were exiled into places that were not their home, this physical reality for them, they were strangers. They were exiles. They were in places they didn't understand. They didn't feel like they were home. What these believers that Peter is writing to, what they were experiencing in the physical realm, Peter uses that reality in the physical realm and he uses it as a metaphor for the experience that every Christian has. And what he's saying is what you are experiencing in the physical world is being exiled and strangers. In that same way, every one of us as believers, every one of us are, as Christians are also exiles and strangers on this journey. And so he uses this physical reality as a spiritual metaphor that then launches into this study in how to journey through difficulty and pain and hurt and heartache. Some of you, how many of you fly every once in a while? We haven't done a lot of flying lately because of this COVID thing, but some of you fly and, and the reality is because of, you know, my schedule and things I do, I, I fly a lot. Several times a month, I'm heading here, heading there, and, and I don't know about you, but one thing I don't like is layover. So whenever I've got to get a ticket somewhere, uh, I had to fly this week, and I get a ticket, I always look for the ones with no layovers. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of layovers. It just feels like I'm on my way going somewhere. Why do I have to stop here for three hours? That place I don't even want to be at. <laughs> Why am I in Kansas? don't want to be in Kansas. I want to be where I'm supposed to be. You just sit there <laughs> waiting. <laughs> it's just layover. It's weird. I got a flight this week. In fact, I was so, this week I, I got to go and I'm preaching. I, I told the folks I'm going to, I said, you know what, I'll, yeah, I'll help out. I'll do this. But I said, I want to fly in in the morning straight there. I'm going to preach and then I want you to go. To, I want to go back on the airplane. I want to go home. <laughs> I don't want to be layovered. I, I'll, I'll do what I got to do and I'm going. <laughs> and, and here's what I want to say, and this is why I bring this up, because it brings us to our, our big idea today, and that is this. Our time on earth is a layover, not a destination. <laughs> Our time on earth is a layover, not a destination. First Peter chapter number one says that life, like people, our existence is like grass. That our, our beauty is like the flower in the field. It goes on to say it, it's there for a little time and then it passes away. 
Psalm chapter number 90 verse 12 says this. He says, because life is brief and because life is short, the psalmist says, he says, teach us, O God, to number our days. A while back, my wife called me. She said, yeah, you got something weird in the mail. Did you order this? I said, well, what is it? She said, you got to come see it. Sure enough, it's this big box. I opened it. I was like, yeah, I know exactly what that is. So in my, in my room, in my bathroom, kind of we have, a, I have like my bedroom and there's a hallway to our, our kind of master bathroom and things. I've got this giant poster. It's a little morbid, but it's, it, it works for me. And it's got a dot for every week of my existence. And every Sunday morning, like I did this morning, pulled out my marker and I marked another week done say why would you do that because the scriptures tell us to number our days so we may apply our hearts to wisdom and so this morning I got up another check gone I don't feel like I'm you know that old turned 40 last year but I was looking at that chart this morning, and I was like, man, half of it's gone. I, I don't know about you, I feel like it was just a few weeks ago when I was running around the playground at school. <laughs> How many of you feel like, man, just life has flown by? Why? Because it's brief. We, 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 we need to number our days. We need to count our days and so we can apply our hearts to wisdom. But I want to encourage you with this. Don't just count your years. Make your years count. Um, the reality is, when this life comes to an end, it's not the end. We were created for an eternity. And to the believer, that brings tremendous hope that regardless of the fact that we are exiles and strangers and never feel quite at home in this world, this world is not all there is. Whenever I have to stay at a hotel, I, I, you know, we, we all have those times we get a hotel and my wife and I, she kind of makes fun of me for this every once in a while. I think she's kind of gotten used to it now. But when I go into a hotel room, I have this thing. I have to, I, call me OCD or whatever it is. Some, I, I, some of the pastors I've stayed in hotel rooms with and things as we're traveling. And I, when I go into a hotel, I just have to kind of reorganize it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just have to. You know all those little papers they put everywhere trying to do this? I can't stand those things. First thing I do, go into a hotel, get rid of all those papers. Find a drawer somewhere, I stuff those in. And if, then the, if the furniture's not quite feeling right, you know, I'm not feeling the feng shui of it all. <laughs> moving a seat here, moving a seat here. And Jenny knows it's true. <laughs> you say, that's weird. It is a little bit weird. It's just, I don't know why I do it, I do. Well, idiosyncrasy, it's, it's kind of who I am. But I will say this, there's never been a time where I've gone into a hotel room and been like, you know what, you know what this room needs? It's a good painting. <laughs> I didn't I'd go down to Home Depot, you know, I think this color would be wet, better, get a little paintbrush, start painting the walls. 
I've never done this. I've never gone and thought, you know what, I I feel like this room could use a little bit more of an open floor plan and took a sledgehammer and started knocking down walls. I've never done that. I mean, I'm weird, but I'm not that weird. (laughs) You say, you say, why, 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 you've never, you know, kind of redecorated or remodeled a hotel room? I haven't, and you know why I haven't? Because I know I'm not there very long. There are a lot of Christians and the way they navigate life on this earth tends to give the perspective that this thing is forever. We're just passing through, guys. Yeah, if you've got to go in there and rearrange a little thing for your life to feel a little bit more smooth, Go ahead. But don't put your egg, all your eggs in this basket of here and now. There is an eternity to come. It's called heaven. First Corinthians chapter number two, verse nine says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Can I say this based on what the Bible says? Heaven is real. It's better than anything you've ever seen. Some of you have been around for a while. You've seen some pretty beautiful things. Man, when you come through tunnel view and all of a sudden it opens up in Yosemite Valley. How many of you have done this before? You've seen this. It's incredible. First time I went through that, I I felt like I was going into the land before time. How many remember those cartoons from when we were kids? Like, man, I was just waiting for a pterodactyl to come swooping through. I was like, man, it's amazing. And God says, that doesn't even compare to what I've prepared in heaven. Why? Because I have not seen nor ear heard. I've heard some deep thinkers and great philosophers talk about the in, in, in complex intricacies of the universe. To talk about, man, how, how space and matter and the universes and the stars. And I've heard talk of how profound and great our universe and solar systems and the solar systems beyond our solar system, how incredible they are. And God says, hey, you've not heard how great this heaven is and then I love this part neither have entered into the heart of any man heaven is so glorious heaven is so awesome and heaven is so wonderful you can't even imagine how incredible and awesome heaven is and so what Peter is trying to remind us in this book and what he's going to teach us in this book is simply this Heaven is more than a destination. It's a motivation. Let your heart fix on the glories of heaven where we'll spend eternity with the angels and the Lord in heaven. In the King James Version, as you read this passage, it uses the phrase strangers and pilgrims. Pilgrims. So a stranger is one that is away from home. This is why we're called strangers, because we're not home. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, this is the layover, this life. It's the layover. The final destination is heaven, so we're strangers. We are away from our ultimate home. And then the King James Version uses the word pilgrim. So if a stranger is the one away from home, a pilgrim is one who's going home. 
You're a stranger. Yes, you're away, away from home. But you're also a pilgrim. You're going home. We're going home. We're going home. For those of you who love animals, there are certain, certain animals, specifically a lot of birds, that have what scientists tell us is a homing instinct. That is, you, know, you, you could take like a pigeon, and you could let that pigeon go, and it has a home, something about its instinct. That, that pigeon will fly back home. There's just something in it that drives it there. There are other animals that have these homing instincts. I, I think it's interesting that the Holy Spirit is often likened to a dove, a bird. You see, when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, it heads us for home. It heads us for home. Because we have a homing instinct for heaven. That's what God's doing. That's what the Spirit of God is doing. In Hebrews, this passage speaks of this reality. When it says, there are those who died in faith without receiving the promise. I think this is Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, verses number 13. We'll read a few of these. We've got them on the screens here. These all died in faith. This is the hall of faith. If you've read the passage, it's an incredible passage. It's awesome. It's about all these heroes of the faith that loved God so much. They were willing to sacrifice their lives. It's incredible. Those who had demonstrated incredible faith. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise of the Holy Spirit in context, but having seen them from afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. These record, you say, how were these willing to sacrifice their lives? Because they had a different reality. Their reality was not that this is home. Their reality is we're just strangers. We're just pilgrims, it says. And it went on to say for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek another country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to, have to return but now they desire a better country how many of you say amen because there's something in us that just longs it's something that we desire for a better country man thank God for the world we're in thank God for this earth but there's something in the heart and soul of every believer who has the Holy Spirit that says I long for a better country where every tear will be wiped away where every heart will be filled where there'll be no sickness and there'll be no disease, no heartbreak. Why? Because we are now citizens of a better country that is a heavenly country where for God is not ashamed to become their God for he hath prepared for them that city. Man, praise God. That's our city. That's why you don't feel at home. That's why no matter what you search after, whatever you long for will never fully satisfy because you were created for another world, a better country. After 40 years of faithful service to the Lord as a missionary to Africa, there was a missionary by the name of Henry Morrison Forty years he had served in the jungles of Africa, telling people about the love of Jesus. He had given his life, given a career, he had given up finances and wealth and comfortability to travel across the sea to just tell those in remote villages about the incredible love of God. 
And finally the day came where they were getting old and they just couldn't do it like they once did. And so they boarded a boat before the time of planes. And they had on that boat and sailed across the sea toward New York City. As the ship neared the dock, Henry said to his wife, look, look, there's a crowd out there. They, they, they haven't forgotten about us. And there was a crowd out there and he thought, they're, they're welcoming us home after 40 years of faithful service. However, unknown to Henry, the ship also carried a famous politician returning from a big game hunting trip in Africa as well. As the politicians stepped off the boat, people were cheering flags, they were waving, you know, banners, the bands were playing, and the reporters were waiting for his comments on how his vacation went. Meanwhile, Henry and his wife slowly walked away completely unnoticed, not one person coming to meet them after 40 years of sacrificially giving their lives to tell people they're loved. They got in a little cab and began to head toward the one-bedroom apartment which had been provided by the mission board that they were with. As they were driving away, Henry started to get like a tear well that kind of got choked up a little bit. And honestly, he was a little bit irritated. He said, this is wrong. He says, that man comes back from a hunting trip and everybody throws him a big party. He says, we give our entire lives to faithful service to God and for all these years and not one person even cares. How come, he goes on, how come does he get such a grand reception? How come he gets such a grand homecoming? No one even notices that we returned home. To which his wife put her hand on his shoulder and said, Because, Henry, we're not home yet. We're not home yet. Can I say to you, we're not home yet. Man, praise God for the blessings he gives in this life. Thank God for his goodness. But we're not home. We are simply strangers in exile. Strangers away from home. Pilgrims on our way home in exile. C.H. Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, said this. Life is short. And eternity is long. It's only reasonable that our short life be lived in light of that long eternity. Can I remind you today? You might be going through some profound difficulty right here, right now. I don't know if it's with your health. It might be with your finances. Maybe relationally, you're just in the thick of it right now. Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's a relationship with an estranged child. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe you're struggling spiritually and you just can't, can't seem to find what your soul is craving. Maybe emotionally you just haven't been able to relate to people who make you feel at home, notice you. Can I remind you today that it's all impermanent? 
It's not forever. Why? Because if even, even if those experiences last your entire life, it will still only be a blip on the radar of eternity. I want you to imagine for a moment if, if we as a church family would really start believing that we can thrive in exile. Not just survive. I understand, you know, life gets hard and things are difficult and we, we can survive this. But because of the Holy Spirit, we can do something better than just survive. We, through the peace of the Spirit, through joy unspeakable and full of glory, you and I, with the Holy Spirit, can thrive in exile. And that's the hope we have in the Word of God. And that's the hope that is going to get unpacked over the next several weeks. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible reality. That our time on this earth is just a layover. It's not just a layover. It's, a des it, 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 it's just a layover, not a destination. Lord, I pray that we would live life with eternity in mind, recognizing we're just strangers, we're just pilgrims, on our way home to the arms of our Father. May we live well. May we steward well our roles as husbands, as wives, as moms, as dads, as believers, as employees and employers. May we steward this gift of life well for your glory, for your honor, so one day we too might hear the words from our creator, well done, well done, now good and faithful servant.